from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, Security Gang Live from Israel. Welcome to another exciting Monday here for the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief. We were off Wednesday and Thursday for Passover. Today is Easter and many people are off. So happy Easter to everyone celebrating Easter. It's lovely when all three holidays come together like it is right now. Uh, our, our Muslim viewers and listeners are observing the holy month of Ramadan. Our Christian friends are celebrating the uh, rising of Christ uh, with Easter. And us Jews are celebrating our exodus from Egypt with Passover. Thank you all for being here this morning. Again, Monday, April 10th, 2023, a packed, packed show. I've got Three days worth of show to do in under 15 minutes. So I'm going to rush right through it. But before I do, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Tomorrow, a brand new episode of Sesso Talk. I'll give you more details tomorrow when I have more time on the morning show. Now, join me for this amazing double espresso. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Cyberhotpodcast.com. Find all the latest. We'll start with MSI falling victim to ransomware. Geopolitics is front and center right now on everything we're doing in cybersecurity. If you're not paying attention to it, you're missing a massive, massive threat intel campaign. Uh, I wrote a blog about it yesterday that I posted on the website. You should go check it out. Taiwan, a lot of the countries that are aligned with the U.S. and its Western allies are now on target by China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. And we'll read the blog. We'll get into that. I don't have all the time. We've got a ton of stories this morning. So we'll start off with MSI, short for MicroStar International, confirming they were a victim of a cyber attack on their system. The company said they promptly initiated an incident response and recovery measure after detecting network anomalies. This said MSI didn't disclose any specifics about the attack. That took place, and if it's entailed, if it's indeed a ransomware or if there's any exfiltration of any proprietary information, including source code. Currently, the affected systems are gradually resuming normal operations. No significant impact on the financial business, the company said. In a regulatory filing, it said that it's setting up enhanced controls on its network and infrastructure to ensure the security of data. Again, kind of the classic stuff here, but not far-fetched uh, that this uh, is, is originated by the North Koreans or Iranians on the behest of the Chinese. Cisco this week has announced patches for multiple vulnerabilities across its product portfolio, including high severity issues impacting its security network analytics and identity service engine products. They're tracked to CVE 2023-20102. The first bug is described as an insufficient sanitization of user-provided data farced into memory. An, on a, an authenticated remote attacker could send crafted HTTP requests to an affected device Sorry, an affected device to achieve arbitrary code execution. Cisco has addressed the vulnerability with the release of Secure Network Analytics 7.4.1 patch SMC rollup number five. They've also announced additional patches for improper validations of parameters sent to the restricted shell in the Cisco ISC, which could lead to privilege escalation. An authenticated local attacker could exploit the issue by sending crafted CLI commands, allowing them to escape the restricted shell and gain root privileges on the OS. Extract a CVE 2023-20122. The vulnerability was addressed with the release of ISC version 3.2 P1. The Cisco advisor also has several other bugs. All have been patched. The big one, though, tracked CVE 2022-20812 with a CVSS score of 9.0. The flaw impacts the cluster database API of the affected products and allows an authenticated attacker 
an, un, an authenticated remote attacker to override files on the affected device with root privileges. So a lot of updates and patches from um, Cisco. You want to make sure you get those addressed ASAP. If you're an iPhone or Mac user, then Apple has now fixed two exploited zero days that allow the hacking of these devices. Apple said that they're aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited. The first security flaw tracked the CVE 2023-28206 is an iOS Surface Accelerator at a bounce rate that could lead to corruption of data, a crash, or code execution. Successful exploitation allows attackers to use maliciously crafted apps to execute arbitrary code with kernel privilege on targeted devices. The second zero-day CVE 2023-28205 is a WebKit use after free weakness that allows data corruption or arbitrary code execution when reusing freed memory. The two zero-day vulnerabilities were addressed in iOS 16.4.1, iPad OS 16.4.1, Mac OS Ventura 13.3.1, and Safari 16.4.1. All of those there. It's been three zero-days patched by uh, Apple since the beginning of the year. So something to keep in mind there. Sophos this week also announced security updates that resolve several vulnerabilities in the Sophos web appliances, including a critical bug leading to code execution. The Sophos web appliance allows administrators to set web access policies, define them by users or groups, and enforce them as necessary. The critical issue tracked the CVE 2023-1671, a CVSS score of 9 or 0.8, was identified in the warning page handler of the appliance and could be exploited without authentication. Sophos described the bug as a pre-auth command injection vulnerability in the WARN proceed handler allowing execution of arbitrary code. The company resolved the flaw with the release of Sophos Web Appliance 4.3.10.4, which addresses two other bugs as well. You want to make sure you get your Sophos updated. Cisco's warning of five actively exploited security flaws and adding them to their known exploited vulnerability catalog. This includes three high-severity flaws in the Veritas backup exec engine software that could lead to execution of privileged commands on the underlying systems. The flaws were fixed in a patch released by Veritas in March of 2021. CVE 2021, 27876, 27877, and 27878, each with a CVSS score of 8.18.2 and 8.8, have all uh, been uh, have had a patch for Google-owned Mandiant in a report published last week revealed that an affiliate associated with the Black Cat ransomware operation is targeting publicly exposed Veritas backup exec installation to gain initial access by leveraging the aforementioned three bugs. In one incident, um, also added by CISA to the Kev, uh, catalog, sorry, I'm, I'm going to skip the fluff here because we've got a packed show. The uh, CISA added to the CAV CVE 2019-1388, a CVSS score of 7.8, a privilege escalation flaw impacting Microsoft Windows certificate dialog that could be exploited to run processes with elevated permissions on an already compromised host. And the fifth vulnerability added to the list is an information disclosure flaw in ARM Mali GPU kernel driver CVE 2023-2608-3 that was revealed by Google's tag last month as abused by an unnamed spyware vendor as part of an exploit chain to break into Samsung Android devices. All of those must be applied by April 28th for federal agencies. Breached shutdown sparks migration to Aris data leak forum. So every time we shut one data leak forum, someone comes up, they move somewhere else. That's just the kind of behavior of these threat actors. So the 
thread group called Aris is gaining notoriety sorry, on the cybercrime scene by selling and leaking databases stolen from corporation and public authorities that have emerged on Telegram in late 2021 have been associated with the Ransom House ransomware operation and the data leak platform Kelvin Security and the network access group Adresta. Aris group manages its own site with data leaks and forums, which may fill the void left by now the breached forum. Cypherma reports that Aris displays a cartel-like behavior, actively seeking affiliations with other threat actors. Um, the leak platform hosted on the regular web and offers access to data leaks from 65 countries. The web house leaks of all types of information, phone numbers, email addresses, customers' details, B2B information, SSN, and company databases to Forex data, government leaks, and passports as well. So now that's uh, the next target for law enforcement. Keep your mind on it. You want to kind of bring this up to your threat intel team in your organization. Let them know where some of that is. this activity is shifting and to start tracking it as well. Last week on Tuesday, we reported on the Western Digital MyCloud outage. They're now still struggling to fix the outage and uh, Western Digital is now offering workarounds to access files. Since April 2nd, the outage has prevented users from accessing files stored under WD-NOS devices as it required access to the company's cloud service. The complete list of services that were down throughout the week includes MyCloud, MyCloud Home, MyCloud Home Duo, MyCloud OS 5, SanDisk IBI, and SanDisk iExpand wireless charger together with the linked mobile desktop and web apps. While the company on Sunday, April 2nd, said that it was working to restore connectivity and promised to provide updates the next day, Monday statement thanked customers for their patience, didn't add any additional details. Four days later, Western Digital finally shared a temporary solution that helps MyCloud Home, MyCloud Home Duo, and SynDisk IBI users access their files locally. The local access features... uh, feature allows you to directly access your personal files from a Windows or Mac OS computer that is connected to the same network as your device. To enable local access, what you need to do is use your favorite browser, connect to your device's dashboard, then enable the local access feature and create a new local access account. There's a knowledge-based article. Links are in the show notes. This outage continues following the disclosure of a network breach from April 3rd, so last week, discovered by a Western Digital more than a week earlier on March 26th. So, Here's what here's the timeline. March 26th to discover a breach. They started investigating April 2nd to take everything down. But obviously their business continuity, their disaster recovery plans aren't up to speed, or this is so severe that the plan is moot. Meaning, if you've ever done a tabletop exercise, if you've ever prepared for a type of incident, you go, when would this ever happen? This would never happen. We don't really need to plan for it. This is a one in a trillion type of issue. That's may have been what happened here to Western Digital and why it's taking them so long to fix this issue. And our thoughts are with that team over there, with the entire team at Western Digital trying to recover. We'll get to the root cause of all of this later. Right now, there are people who have, while we are all celebrated the holiday, there's people at Western Digital who did not. And I think that's part of the security job, but it's also part of tech. And you can imagine just the amount of stress and fatigue in that team. So there's that as well. Iran-based hackers are caught carrying out destructive attacks in the the case of ransomware. 
Muddy Water, a, an Iranian nation state group, has been observed carrying out destructive attacks on hybrid environments under the guise of a ransomware operation. Microsoft threat intelligence team discovered the threat actor targeting both on-premise and cloud infrastructure in partnership with an emerging activity cluster dubbed Dev1084. While the threat actors attempted to masquerade the activity as standard ransomware campaign, the unrecoverable action showed destruction and disruption were the ultimate goal. Muddy Water is the name assigned to the Iran-based hacker that the, the ha uh, actor that the U.S. government has publicly connected to the country's Ministry of Intelligence and Security. It's known to be active since at least 2017. Uh, cybersecurity firm Cyberwork, in its profile of the Cobalt Ulster, notes that it's entirely uncommon in the realm of threat actor to inject false flags in the code associated with their operation. Um, the latest finding from Microsoft revealed the threat actor probably worked together with Dev1084 to pull off the espionage attacks, the latter of which conducted the destructive actions after Muddy Water successfully gained a foothold onto the target environment. In the activity detected by Redmond, Dev1084 subsequently abused highly privileged compromised credentials to perform encryption of on-premise devices and large-scale deletions of cloud resources, including server farms, virtual machines, storage accounts, and virtual networks. The aforementioned actions are estimated to have transpired over roughly a three-hour time frame, starting at 12.38 a.m. when the attacker logged into the Microsoft Azure environment via compromised credentials and ending at 3.21 a.m. when the attacker sent emails to other parties after the successful cloud disruption. It's worth noting that Dev1084 refers to the same threat actor that's assumed the dark bit persona as part of the ransomware extortion attack aimed at the Technion in Israel in February. And so um, this attack here is definitely there. And, and by the way, Iran has joined the axis of Russia and China. They're supplying weapons to Russia um, um, in, in their war against the Ukraine. They're in that group now, and they're going to get tremendous cyber capabilities from China and Russia as part of their exchange of weapons to the Russians, and Russians are going to give them cyber capabilities in return. Mark my words, this is not the first or last we'll see of Iran here come uh, this, this month. An Estonian national has been charged in the United States for purchasing U.S.-made electronics and computer hacking tools on behalf of the Russian government and military. The man, Andrei Shalivikov, was arrested in Estonia on March 28th. He was charged in the U.S. on 18 counts of conspiracy and other charges. According to the indictment, Shalivikov did business through several Estonian-based shell companies that he and his co-conspirators used to export microelectronics from the U.S. to Estonia. The goods were then shipped to Russia, circumventing export regulation. The indictment says that since 2002, Shalivikov was placed on the U.S. government by the U.S. government on a ban list for procuring and delivering export-restricted items to Russia. To evade the restrictions, he used false names and shell companies to order items and pay for them. Purchase items include integrated circuits, low-noise prescalers, resistors, synthesizers, analog-to-digital converters that are found in defense systems, including avionics, electronic warfare systems, missiles, and software-defined radio. According to the indictment, email communication between Shavalakov and a Russian-based individual has revealed that Shalikov has also attempted to acquire a licensed copy of Metasploit Pro, a U.S.-made pen testing tool that cannot be purchased from Russia directly. Um, so if convicted, it faces up to 20 years in prison. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. Make sure to check it out. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Happy Easter to everyone celebrating today. Thanks for tuning in. Most importantly, subscribe and stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.